Welcome to the first episode of Central Coast Stories. I'm your host, Kayleen Bell. I'm a journalist, audio producer, storyteller, and I live on the Central Coast. And I'd like to acknowledge the Aboriginal land on which this podcast is produced and also pay my respects to the Aboriginal people who walked on this country. This is a podcast about stories of Central Coast people. Sometimes they might be famous, but mostly they will be everyday people who live on the Central Coast. I believe everybody has interesting stories to tell, if only people will take the time to listen. I encourage you to have a listen to the preview so you can get a little bit more information about what this podcast is about. This podcast will feature a wide variety of guests, a wide variety of topics and themes, but for the first four episodes of Central Coast Stories, they will be about the stories of four artists who live on the Central Coast. They are all finalists in an exhibition that is currently showing at Gosford Regional Gallery. This exhibition is called the Dobell Drawing Prize Number no. 22 and it is presented by the National Art School in Sydney. It's currently on a regional tour. It's been to Logan in Queensland in December 2021, then to Moree, and now Gosford is the third showing. This regional tour will then move to Cowra, Griffith and finish at Port Macquarie in January 2023. It officially opened at Gosford Regional Gallery on the 29th of April and I went along and met the artists and I was so intrigued by their stories that I just had to record them and share them with you. This exhibition is well worth seeing. I may not have all of their interviews up before the exhibition ends on the 5th of June. But I encourage you to go and have a look and hopefully you'll be inspired to do so once you hear these artists' stories. Now, if you want to know a little bit more about the Dobell Drawing Prize, you can have a look at the show notes and I'll give you a little bit more detail there. I had a fascinating discussion with Leonardo Uribe, my guest today. Originally from Colombia, now residing in Chitawe Bay, and his piece in the exhibition is called Immigration Form 80, page 3. Leonardo created this form using pieces of human hair. I encourage you to stick around, have a listen, and find out why Leonardo Uribe decided to begin as an artist working with hair. For most of this discussion with Leonardo, it is lively and chatty. There are just a couple of strong themes discussed, death and death photography in particular, towards the end of the episode. If you are affected by anything in today's episode, please call Lifeline on 131114. Now to the chat with Leonardo. Hi, Leonardo. Thanks for talking with me today on Central Coast Stories. Hi, Kelly. Thank you for inviting me to your podcast. Thank you. And just so I get the pronunciation of your name correct, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Leonardo Uribe, and everybody call me Leo. Where did you grow up, Leo? I grew up in Colombia, South America. Now, you're one of the Dobell art finalists. Tell me how you felt when your artwork was selected to be a finalist. Well, this is the first time for me to be in the Dobell as a finalist. 
Usually I try to apply to other art prizes, but this one, when I submit my artwork, I, I didn't expect it. I was part of the finalists, and it was a big surprise because the double is one of the biggest art prizes in Australia. Also, it motivates me to keep going with my artwork that I sometimes I have doubts. But being as a finalist in the double prize is really good and encouraging. And your art is quite a sensational piece. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. What sort of mediums have you chosen to work with? As an artist? Usually I work with human hair. I usually work with my family hair. So that's the media for this piece that I am presenting in the Nobel Prize. And why did you choose human hair? Why did I choose human hair? Because initially I started to work with human hair, I can say like 20, 25 years ago when I was studying my university. I was a student and I was still living with my parents. And I grew up in a hair salon, my mom's hair salon. And where was that hair salon? The hair salon is in a small town in Colombia. The name is Piedra Cuesta, and the state is Santander. And my mom's hair salon is the second hair salon to open in the history of the town. So my mom has been with the salon for 45 years or something like that. Amazing. Is she still there? She's still there. After COVID, she has to stop opening the hair salon, but she still has some clients coming to the salon. Why did she have to stop it after COVID? She stopped opening this hair salon during COVID and after COVID because she lost a lot of clients, but the best client for her. The friends, my mom, they are still coming to the salon and she's just cutting their hair just with the door closed. Yeah. Is it just too risky? Well, it's too risky about the COVID, but at the same time, I can say that she's half retired with the salon. So we'll go back to your childhood in the salon. So you grew up around hair. There was hair everywhere in the salon. Yeah. And as I understand from the night we met at the gallery, you used to have to walk through the salon to get to the family home. Yes. Was the family home above or out the back? No, at the back. So the hair salon was the first space in the house. Initially, it was just the family house, my parents' house. And my mom started with the hair salon using the first space in the house. So if you want to go to my parents' house, you have to walk through the hair salon. So you had hair everywhere? Ah, yeah. There's hair everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. You went to university in Colombia? Yes. Did you study art? Yeah, I studied art, fine art. What was the university that you studied art in? The name of the university is Universidad Industrial de Santander. It's quite long. Yes, it is quite long. (laughs) (laughs) I believe that there was a reason you chose hair, not just because you grew up with it. Uh, Yeah, there are more reasons. So initially it was because I grew up in a hair salon, but at the same time as a student, I was struggling a little bit with money in the way to buy material for doing my art. Art material are quite expensive. And as a student, you don't have enough money, or at least in Colombia, it's a little bit difficult. So I was trying to find other materials to use in the way to make the art. How many pieces of art have you made with hair? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> plenty, plenty. Have they all been forms? We're going to come back and talk about that. But have they all been forms or have they been people? Or no. When I was, let's say, that kind of research of materials, because I was trying to use materials that I, I can afford for my artworks, 
uh, I was using other kind of materials as well. I was using found materials on the street or old paper that I was trying to do collage or I was trying to do a assemblage that is a kind of a sculpture slash painting or but using old materials and using objects as well. During the time I start to do a filter of the best material for me to work. One of the best material is hair. What do you like about working with hair? Hair is it's an amazing material. I start to do my research about hair, my my own research. So I start to, to find that I have a lot of connection with hair in the way that hair is a material that you can see is is mystic material. It's something that is well hair talk about my family firstly. Your family heritage? Yes, but talk about the story of my family as well, the hair salon. And secondly, if I use my own hair or my family hair, I'm talking about my DNA. And in some way, I come from a religious family, Catholic religious family. I'm no practicant, but I recognize my background. And in Catholic or in most of the religions, hair is symbolic material as well. Or not symbolic, but it's in some way is used for something like it's a scene or it's like the nuns, they don't show the hair because it's a kind of scene. And in some other religious the, the uh, women, they don't show the hair neither. Yes. Because it's, it's a, how can I say, it's a little bit provocative. And then you've got Samson in the Bible didn't cut his hair. Uh, yes, as well. So hair is, is something attached to religions. And, and it's interesting in that way. In, in other cultures as well, in, in other indigenous cultures, hair is important as well. They decorate the hair. They do something with hair. In the area where I grew up, the indigenous of that area, that is, the name is Juanes, those indigenous, they were using hair to make hats. Make hats. Hats for the, let's say, for the priest of the indigenous group. They were using their own hair to make hats for the leaders. I don't think we talked about all the reasons you love working with hair, have we? No, no, no. It's more, it's more. Do you want to tell me a couple more? In my culture, there is a, a kind of myth that if you put hair in a glass of water, next day a snake appears. It's something like a myth. It's really interesting. It's, it's something like saying from from death and the midst of death and and alive, uh, another alive thing becomes. Have you ever put hair in water? No, it's just a myth. <laughs> no, never. It's something you just don't want to do. Yeah, no. Shall we do it now? I've got some water right here. <laughs> Let's put it in my coffee. The point of telling this kind of things so come from my culture is I start to be fascinated with hair. The hair is not just a, a natural or organic thing. If I say about my nails, there is no stories about nails, but there is something really interesting in, about hair. Do you work with all color hair? No, I haven't work with color hair. I try to use the natural color of the hair of my family, but mm. I have some ideas in the in my diary, in my in my sketchbook for using color hair. Yeah. You'd use gray hair? Yeah. Well I use gray hair because my hair is gray. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have a lot of gray hair. Yeah. My mom is really white hair. It's and my sisters and most of my family we have gray hair and white hair. Maybe that's why I love 
to work with natural hair because I can't find that this beautiful color. Now for the piece for the doorbell, let's talk about that in detail. What's the name of the piece that was selected? The name of the piece is Immigration Form, page number three. It's a blank piece of paper and the way that I I wore is I cut my, my own hair or my family hair in this case. I cut the hair in little tiny pieces with a special scissors for cutting hair. How tiny? Maximum two millimeters long. So I cut really tiny, and then with I use uh, tweezers or I use uh, little brushes to move the hair, and, and I put a little bit of glue on the paper, and then I transfer the hair to the paper in the way to start to do uh, letter by letter and then the work. For people who go to the gallery and look at it, it looks just like a form when you're standing behind the, that line that, you, that you're not supposed to cross, right? Because you're not supposed to get too close to the art. So you can't get close enough to see the detail. But what they might not understand is that every single word has been built. Yeah. Every single letter, actually. Let's say the letter A. Uh, a has five pieces of hair, letter like why three pieces of hair i know the, <laughs> that because i have been working a lot with that so yeah from far away you can't see the hair you just see form like a photocopy yeah and the lines you've got the lines you know you must have worked really hard to make sure the lines actually look like lines actually the lines are the easiest one to do do you draw on the paper yeah i try to emboss the paper with a pencil or something that allowed me to put the glue and then the hair on top. Every line, every letter, every word made with hair. Yeah. Now whose hair is in that piece? My family hair. My mom and my father. Maybe my sister is as well. I try not to think about who is in this this artwork who's hair, but I just try to use my family. For all your pieces with hair, it's always family hair? Uh, Sometimes mine. But, I mean, you never go around to friends' houses and ask for a bit of hair. Maybe Uh not for these pieces, no. You would find a lot in my shower, my molting hair. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I have a lot of friends that they are offering me the hair, and some friends are are telling me, my dog, my dog hair. Have you ever thought of using pet hair? No, no, I I think I, I try to stick to the plan of using my family hair or my own hair. My own hair has my background. It's talking about my religion as well. It's talking about my story, my DNA as well. So we've talked a lot about the hair. Let's now talk about why you chose to make an immigration form. Could you tell us a bit about your journey? Yeah, my journey is I came here in Australia 13 years ago. For nine years, I was just trying to live here, changing visas and applying to new visas in immigration and trying to be a resident in in Australia. So the result of these visas at the end, after nine years or probably more, it was a massive pile of photocopies, forms for immigration, ID photos as well. A lot of photocopies, a lot of forms, a lot of folders and folders. I was just thinking, well, I have to do something with this kind of material because if I see this pile of paper, 
represent all the frustration, or not the frustration, but all the pain that I, every time I, I was applying to the new visas, all the, the, that kind of waiting for the answer from immigration saying it's approved or it's granted or it's not granted or is or you have to apply again or you have to and all this kind of thing is it was it's stressful it takes a toll yeah 13 years well 13 years to be citizenship first you have to apply to be resident the pr they call the pr permanent residency and then after two years being resident you can apply for for the citizenship it's time consuming you're living in limbo exactly that's the word that i use every time we are living in the limbo because once you apply or once it's granted the first few days or the first few weeks you are happy because it's granted but at the same time you have to start again the process before the deadline before the, that visa expires I think it's not just me, obviously, it's maybe millions of people coming here and living the same kind of frustration. It's kind of like if you think about COVID and what we've just been through with COVID, all our lives were on hold. Yeah. You know, we couldn't do the things we wanted to do. And I guess when you're waiting for permanent residency or citizenship, you can only live your life to a certain point. You don't have the freedom to live it fully. Yes. Exactly the same. You don't know what to do. You don't know what what is next. You just want to be here and work and live like a citizen. But now you are a citizen. I am. So was this process of building the immigration form at the gallery, you told me it was cathartic. Is that how you would describe it? Yeah. Was it healing? Yeah, it was healing. When I started to do this artwork, I, I didn't think about that it was cathartic. But during the process, I started to feel that that pain that I was feeling when I was doing these visas and this process to immigration, that pain was coming to me again, just looking the the forms that I was doing or the art that I was doing, but at the same time was getting out. You were feeling the frustration of it all over again? I, I was feeling like the memories, but I was feeling that that memory was the last, the last memory in my head. And also, when you were doing this form, it would be the last time you would be doing this form. Yeah, that was uh, like, this is the last thing that I'm doing. Last time. Yeah. So you won't be going to be a citizen somewhere else. Well, no, I think this is enough for me. This day in Australia. Yeah. I can't believe that you would find cutting hair into two millimetre pieces and putting it onto the paper, that how that would not make you really frustrated. How was it healing? It requires so much patience. In the same way that I have to be patient to do this this artwork, is in the same way that everyone has to live or have to wait for the visas in this country. We have to be patient. You have to just relax or not relax, but you have to live in calm to do this. Because you have to wait. You have yeah, to learn have to, to wait. Yeah. yeah, and you were right when you say you compare this with the COVID. When the government say you have to be in lockdown, you have to be in lockdown, just be patient and just relax and trying to just be calm in your house. 
It's the same. It's true. We didn't like it though, did we? Nobody. I think nobody. Nobody liked lockdown. What's been the feedback that you got at, at the gallery the night that people saw your art? I know there was a lot of people gathered around you. What were people saying about your piece? Most of the feedback, they were good. I'm happy with that, that feedback. Well, actually, no no one said a bad feedback. Yeah. More of this feedback, they were like uh, surprised about, I didn't expect that that was with her. Same as me. Yeah. You told me that and some volunteers in the gallery say that as well. Yeah, they say, I didn't know that that was human hair. I thought that was a photocopy. Me too, because I came up to you and said, that just looks like a form. Now I can appreciate the art and the process that went into it and the story behind it. Yeah. I think for any artist or any creative, there's a story. And that's why I wanted to interview all you Dobell artists on the Central Coast, because there is a story behind these works that you make. Yeah, my works, I try to say a story. And it starts with personal stories. That at the end is is a general story for most of the immigrants in this country. Yeah, everyone's got a story. Yeah, or similar story. It's connected with the story that I'm trying to say. I try to say my stories in my artwork. In this case, in this in this piece, I try to say what happened to me. That story is the story that some of the immigrants have been living as well. So they can get something. They can feel connected with the artwork. Definitely. What have your family said about this piece? My family, they love everything that I do. They like that. Do they understand why you choose to work with hair? Yes. They know that I use in hair because we come from that uh, story of the hair salon. It's a part of your family. Yeah. It's like a family thread. Yeah. And your mother understands it too? She loves the artwork that I'm doing. Uh, Mm -hmm. She called me Leito, little Leo. She said, Leito, I, I love the thing that you are doing, but I don't understand deeply. And she she loves painting. She paints. Okay, what does she paint? She paints landscape, beautiful landscape, beautiful, let's say traditional. But she discovered that she was able to do paintings just a few years ago. That's amazing. Has she actually seen your work, the form that's in the Dobell? Has she actually seen this piece? Uh, Not this piece. So she's only seen a photo of it? Uh, Yeah, yeah, photos. What did your father think of the piece? He knew that I was the finalist before he died, but he didn't see the piece and he didn't he didn't see the artwork in the double. He he died in December of 2019 and actually a few days before he died, he knew that I was in the double. Well, that's good. He was proud of that because he sent me a message saying, "Oh, Leito, again, Leito, this is really nice. And he told me all all the things that he was proud. What did he say? Wow, you will make me cry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's okay. Don't remember exactly the words, but he was saying that he was proud, that it's amazing, that all the the effort that I'm putting in my artwork, this is the result, being in a Nobel Prize. And then when the exhibition came, pass away before. Did he live in Colombia? Yeah. Unfortunately, in that time was the COVID time. I couldn't travel to his funeral. I was stuck here. That's really hard. Yeah, it was hard for me. Nobody in my family traveled to his funeral. I have a sister living in Paris and another sister living in Texas. Oh, wow. You're all over the place. Yeah, let's say that. And so you couldn't be together? No, we couldn't. We couldn't support each other. That's awful. It's hard. It's hard. It was a really hard time. And terrible for your mother. It was. 
it was for my mother and I have a brother living in Colombia with my mom. That's good. Yeah, that was good. He was the one, the only one there. Very sorry you missed that. It was hard. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Did he die of COVID? No, a heart attack. Have you seen your family since? No, altogether. No. That's tough. No, no, I haven't seen them. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough and it's, yeah, it has been, has been hard. So returning to the point of the artwork. Yes. The artwork that I did about my father, and that artwork was part of the Gosford Art Prize. Gosford Art Prize? Yeah, I was a finalist just a few months ago. It was about my father, but at the same time was about me. In this opportunity, I work with other materials. What did you use? I use um, mosquito mesh. Mosquito mesh? Yeah. Why? There is no a big reason why I use mosquito mesh. I was experimenting in that time with that mosquito mesh. I paint on that in different layers. I was painting my father's face when he was a, a child. And I was painting my face as well on top of that when I was a child. And also... Uh, why I was working with my father and, and me is because when I was doing this artwork and I started to do a research about death, the topic of death, and, and I found the concept of um, memento mori. It's an old concept. I think it's Latin. Memento mori means remember that we will die. It's about the memories that you can keep from somebody, from everyone. And it's about... Remember that we can die really quick. The only thing that we can do is trying to keep something from that person that you love. I didn't use hair, but I used my family's pictures. Uh, this concept, I tried to explain quite, quite quick. I'm talking about Memento Mori was something that they were using Victorian times. The families, they were quite big and they were having kids. But in that time, the kids were dying before five years old or something yeah. like that. They didn't know what. Yeah. So they were trying to find a photographer to take a picture of the kids before something happened. And sometimes the photographer were com- was coming and the kids was already died. So they were taking pictures of the kids, yeah. dead, but they were trying to open the eyes. In Adelaide, there is a museum that they show those pictures of those families in that time, like a family picture. And one of the kids is already dead. It's a little bit confronting. My father died. Something quick happened. I was talking with my father one day, and two days later, he was ashes. That was a shock for me. The time that I was doing that, I I said, this is COVID time. I don't know what happened with the rest of my family or with myself. Nobody knows, yeah. Yeah, nobody knows. It's something that is is talking about my father's death, Mm -hmm. but it's talking about myself in COVID time. So I, I said, something can happen to me right now. Done. It's gone, you know. So what do you think will be next? What are you working on next? I'm working in a, it's a big piece with her as well on paper. It's connected about my country situation right now. It's, it's something a little bit political. The name of this hour is Memorial Art Project or Memorial. And it's a war memorial about the social leaders that have been assassinated in Colombia for the last seven years. The government promised to to protect some people like social leaders. So these social leaders, uh, other armed groups have been killing them and nobody's protecting them. And it's just social leaders that are just trying to help 
indigenous communities or sometimes schools, and they're getting killed. The piece is about every single name of every single social leader is made with her. And it's, it's a big piece of 600 names made with her. It's a war memorial. Because there is no a war memorial in Colombia about about right. that. And so these names are just getting forgotten. Yeah. And the way that I'm using her in that case is because they kill the social leaders. Sometimes they yeah. have to find the body and they have to use the DNA of the body to know who was that person. Yeah. So it's the DNA involved in that. In the hair? Yeah, in the hair. That's a lot of work. It is really hard to amazing thank you so it would it might just look like lines on a page but it's names yeah i'm trying to submit that artwork for a exhibition in in melbourne the incinerator art prize and on the the, the art prize is about uh, social justice your art is fascinating the way that you make your art is fascinating thank you very much for talking with me today on central coast stories leonardo thank you kayleen thank you I hope you enjoyed the very first episode of Central Coast Stories. The next artist that I will be bringing you for Central Coast Stories is Claire Tozer, who was also a finalist in the Dobell Drawing Prize. And her piece is called Budai Trail. And I'll bring you that interview very soon. And the Dobell Drawing Exhibition Regional Tour will end at Gosford Regional Gallery on the 5th of June. And remember, you can see the show notes for more information. You can subscribe on iTunes so you don't miss an episode. Also, I'd like to give a special thank you to artist Elena Parishko for the beautiful art piece, which is the image that you see when you look at my podcast. I purchased her painting I have her website in the show notes in case anybody would like to see her artwork and purchase some for themselves. So thank you, Elena. And I also encourage you to go to iTunes and find the podcast and subscribe, which is free, so that you will not miss an episode. All information in today's episode is copyright. If you require republishing permissions, please contact me at centralcoaststories at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. Bye for now.